global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are fluctuating, and this update is brought to you by Bentley University. What do rebooting America's oldest ski shop and crunching numbers at Vistaprint have in common? An MBA from Bentley University that prepares graduates to innovate and lead because business is everywhere prepare here. Right now, the S&P 500 index climbing half a point, little changed at 2,091. Dow Industrials down 20 points, a drop of 0.1%. The Dow now at 17,831. NASDAQ up 8 points to 4,903, a gain of two-tenths of 1%. Gold down 310 the ounce to 12.2070, a drop of three-tenths of 1%. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, 49.40 a barrel, a drop there of three-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Sears Holdings. What is left of Sears Holdings after the CFO departs and Eddie Lampert, who controls Sears Holdings, decides to perhaps put the brands of Kenmore, Die Hard, and Craftsman on the auction block. Let's find out more from Lauren Coleman-Lochner, retail reporter for Bloomberg News. Lauren, thanks very much for coming in. Much appreciated. All right, so give us the news. Tell us what's going on. Sure. So Sears, for the last few years, has been selling or spinning off assets. um, As it's been burning through quite a bit of cash. It was more than $2 in cash burn last year. So they're just not funding the operations, um, they need to go to outside sources of money. The stores, sales are declining, sales, uh, same store sales, which is a, a measure that we look at since it met, you know, it's like, it's apples to apples. They've been declining, I think it's been every quarter but one since the companies merged. So operationally, they've had a lot of problems and they've tried a lot of things, but Nothing that they've tried has really managed to turn the business around. So what is the problem here? Uh, I love the way you start your story today. You say, you know, Sears Chief Executive Officer Eddie Lampert is in a bad spot when he's considering selling off three of the retailer's crown jewels, Kenmore, Craftsman, and Die Hard. Look, he's like cutting off his arms, arms and legs. Pretty soon, you know, what do you have left to stand on? Right, because you have the licensing stream of revenue from those brands now. Um, they did look a couple of years ago at exploring outside companies licensing the brands as well. But then you're giving people less of a reason to come into your own stores. Sears is still the major appliance seller, and Kenmore is a big draw for customers. If you don't have that... It's, you know, you could sell it and license it back too, but if you don't have that, what do you have to bring people in? They're not coming in for clothing. That's not an area that they've been able to fix. They've been struggling on most fronts, most categories ever since the companies merged and even before Sears and Kmart were merged. Lauren, uh, I was looking at the details of things like Kenmore products and so on. Uh, they're made by Whirlpool, GE, Panasonic. They don't make any of this. They just put their brand on it. Now, they may have some unique features for some some of their craftsmen tools. Exactly. So um, it's all contained in this special purpose vehicle, this uh, KCD uh, IP, Intellectual Property uh, LLC. 
Who do you think is going to buy it? I mean, who would be interested? Husky, Apex Tool Group makes some of the tools? Or so, right. You Napa? might, you, what's been suggested to me is that you might have manufacturers, um, looking at some of these brands. Um, in terms of the tools, at least, Batteries is tough. It's really almost a commodity these days. Um, as far as the appliances go, one thought has been that you could have a retailer like Home Depot, which now has its own brands, but this would be a draw, and it's a successful retailer, and that this could really revitalize the brands. Now, we don't know whether they're going to sell these, and Sears has put a lot of stuff on the block where, you know, it hasn't completed the transaction or it's, you know, done something different like spinning off the entity instead. So it's possible that nothing will happen as well. But Eddie Lampert will stay in his seat running the company and just keep selling things off until there's nothing left to sell? Is that sort of how Oh, they, right you now? know, they're, they're really, uh, Emptying the shelves here, um, there isn't a lot left. There are a lot of stores still left. They only put about two fifty into the into the REIT that they spun off last year. But you know, those were two fifty of their best stores. They have some other stores pledged um, already. So the value of the remaining real estate is probably not as strong as what's already been spun or pledged elsewhere. Well, uh, we'll see what happens next. You'll, I'm sure you'll be back soon, though. Seems like this this story is uh, the plot is thickening. So it seems. Lauren Coleman Lochner, thank you so very much for joining us. Retail reporter for Bloomberg News, reporting on Sears' plans to considering options for Kenmore Craftsman and Diehard, some of its most iconic brands. To politics we go, taking a look at some of the comments that uh, President Obama made at the G7 meeting in Japan uh, about Hillary Clinton's emails, also about Donald Trump. Craig Gordon joins us now, managing editor for Bloomberg Editorial in Washington. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, it... it, it it's interesting. Uh, I think people were waiting to hear the president asked at that press conference today some questions about uh, G7 ministers and economies, but a lot of political questions. Uh, what did you make about his comments on Hillary Clinton's emails? I mean, look, this has been an uncomfortable topic for the Obama administration. I think they know what, uh, what that report says, that she obviously did not really follow the rules and actually took some steps that we now know from this report where she cut some corners uh, for the sake of privacy, for the sake of her emails not being archived for all eternity and different things. This is not something that President Barack Obama really wants to stand up there and have to defend and have to, you know, sort of answer for because it really – he has said in prior things that he did not – he would not have done it this way. He had wished, you know, that she could have done it differently. So it puts Obama in a very tough spot. Obviously, he's a loyal Democrat. He would like Hillary Clinton to succeed him versus Donald Trump. So he has to walk a very fine line. But I, I don't think the, the White House is enjoying having to defend email practices by Hillary Clinton that they actually don't agree with themselves. Craig, can you comment on Bernie Sanders and what he's trying to do with the convention committee and the various platforms that the Democratic Party will have to adopt? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, look, at every uh, national political convention, each party adopts a party platform that is supposed to be sort of the guiding principles, uh, the bedrock principles of that political party. Um, Bernie Sanders, you know, I think even Bernie Sanders has said he's a little surprised at when he started running for president. He really was just trying to influence the conversation. He was trying to pull the party toward the left, toward the liberal side of the spectrum, um, and the eventual nominee. Of course, he ended up coming much closer to winning than even he might have expected. But at the end of the day, this always was about getting more progressive policies into the party conversation and in, eventually into the party platform. Things like a $15 minimum wage nationally, things like you know fully paid college, things like fully paid health care. And so right now, look, you know, Hillary Clinton is within 100 delegates of being the nominee of the Democratic Party. Officially, she'll clear that bar easily in California on June 7th. Um, so Bernie Sanders at this point, you know, he can say he's still in the race till the bitter end, but he, he pretty much yeah, but knows. Can, but can he influence the, the, the platform, perhaps in foreign policy? Uh, that's a little trickier. I think he, I think he is mostly interested in the domestic policies. I think he's mostly interested in trying to get the uh, Democratic Party to be the Democratic Party, perhaps of FDR. You know, sort of that that old that thing where the the government is truly providing for people a living wage, healthcare, education, all of those things. He has talked less about foreign policy during the campaign, uh, just by nature of it. But he, so his main focus is on domestic. And I think you will see a Democratic Party platform that sounds a lot like Bernie Sanders' party mm -hmm. platform. Because because, frankly, it doesn't really cost Hillary Clinton anything to have it in the platform. It, nobody, to be blunt, nobody really reads the platform after the convention's over. Bernie can declare a win. Clinton can declare she kept Bernie happy. And hopefully Bernie's supporters come onto her side. That would be the ultimate end game for Hillary Clinton. Some interesting comments from President Obama uh, when it comes to Donald Trump. And, and, of course, Trump saying today he'd be delighted uh, to debate Bernie Sanders. Uh, uh, Donald, uh, President Obama saying that world leaders are rattled by the prospect of a Trump presidency. And Donald Trump uh, shoots back that uh, it's good to be uh, rattled in a friendly way. Uh, were you surprised to hear the president speaking this way of Trump, although he, you know, he is sitting down with leaders from all over the world? Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of our Bloomberg reporters and editors, we, we sort of get these reports back in Washington that they'll go interview uh, often a CEO or the kind of folks that Bloomberg obviously would interview, and they all are a bit aghast at what's happening in America. They're sort of puzzled and, and look to our reporters to try to explain it, and, and even some of us in Washington are still trying to explain it to ourselves. So I'm not surprised that that sentiment is out there, and nor am I surprised that Barack Obama's talking about it. Um, I actually think that he is um, he is sort of frustrated that what he thinks has been some bridges bridges building that he's done in his eight years in office, you know, that it seems like Donald Trump is putting sticks of dynamite under those bridges. And I think he's frustrated about that. And I think as he gets closer to the end of his term, he, he will feel, you know, freer and freer almost at every passing day to say that about Donald Trump. He's made comments like this before. This is obviously a very high profile uh, international setting. So it's a little bit unusual maybe to hear the president talk about domestic politics on a foreign trip. But no, I think he's made it very clear that he is troubled by Trump. He is worried that it will diminish U.S. influence in the world and actually damage you know damage our prospects abroad that that's barack obama's opinion he's in, he's certainly entitled to it and he feels more free every day to share it with us craig gordon thank you very much for sharing all this information with us managing editor bloomberg news washington dc bureau you're listening to taking stock i'm pim fox my co-host kathleen hayes craig gordon speaking about trump crossing the delegate threshold and clinton emails and the fallout from that inspector general report this is bloomberg radio